Enjoy our private dining room, folks. This is where we serve our richest, most successful chumps. Tonight, that's us. What have you got that's really overpriced? Everything. Bring me that. Make it two. And we're back. Thanks, Sean. Uh, we want to um, thank everybody as well that has been a part of the launch of Make Me Watch. Um, this has been a very uh, emotional and special time, I think, for the both of us, <laughs> if I can speak uh, for the two of us. Um, Everyone that yeah. participated with a with a, a text, a, an email, um, you know, like or interacted with us, uh, it was greatly appreciated. And if you weren't one of the thousands of subscribers to our Patreon page, you're just you're really missing out because we got some real special stuff coming up and, and releasing an episode here. Um, what did you say when you texted me? International men of mystery. Yeah, now? yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We're we're around the globe, baby. But yeah, Sweden, for real, Russia. Thanks to everybody. Yeah, it, it is. It has yeah. meant a lot to us. All the support. So really, really appreciate how strong this launch has been. Absolutely. All right, thanks, guys. And uh, Fletch, coming up next. All right, Eric, coming in mm-hmm. with top three SNL star vehicles. I think I'm going to try and, and do a called shot here. I don't know if you want to try and guess mine. I'll give you a second to, to, to okay, think cook about it up. It. I am going to omit uh, Wayne's World since we've talked about it so much, and it's it's okay. obvious. Okay. Um, Would so that be went, your number one if it was on the list? I mean, yeah, I think it's the one that I'm I'm the most familiar with, seen the most, most likely to throw on. So mm-hmm. um, it's it's definitely gotta be the the one that i would pick but i i I have three other picks uh but let me Mm -hmm. i i my three that i i have that i guessed for you Mm -hmm. uh i'm not gonna put them in any particular order but i'm gonna go happy gilmore no 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 oh honorable mention i do love strike strike one okay (laughs) uh beverly hills cop Oof. No, right strike. actor, wrong film. Uh, is, was it right trading places? Wrong. Is it trading no. places? No. no. That's what I kind of broke through. Coming to say, America. Oh, that's not the. That's a. Mm, <laughs> I had to go with my favorite from that. From I, I, I mean, did SNL alone. I think that's my favorite for sure, but that's just not the one I think of when I think of like star vehicle for sure. Yeah, for SNL. He's kinda, I know. Yeah, I know, yeah. I, that's what I told you. I bit the rules a little bit on. That's uh, but, fair. I, I mean, yeah. you're throwing me some some like knuckleballs <laughs> that I'm striking. Um, let me see if I can I can hit this last okay, one though. Okay. All right. All right. I thought that this was. I uh, see. This is where I was trying. I thought you were going to pitch me the knuckleball here, and I said Austin Powers. That's what, that's where I thought you were trying to to catch me. Was it? Let me give. Go ahead and give it to you. Um, you, you you were on track, but I think maybe uh, you you were sniffing around the corner of where okay, I was. Number okay. three, two thousands, the ladies' man. <laughs> Oh, Story how can I Tim forget? Meadows. How can I forget Tim Meadows? Because me and Sean actually have a uh, uh, a history behind Tim Meadows. Uh, in our past, if you want to hear the origin story of that, you're gonna have to hop on Patreon one day. That, that little story will be released. But uh, number two, 1999's Office Space. All right, <laughs> directed what? by Mike Judd. Because because uh, this is a uh, um, these are shorts that premiered on uh, on SNL at, at a very early period, and that's how he got the deal to do Office Space. is is based on these little clips that were coming on SNL. So I knew- <laughs> breaking all the rules, <laughs> man. Star I- vehicle for that director, Mike Judd, who I feel like is an absolute genius. I, I was never a huge uh, Beavis and Butthead guy at all, but mm-hmm. King of the Hill, I'll, I'll ride and die for King of the Hill. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, I mean, yeah. yeah, I think Mike Judge, I agree with you that Mike Judge is a, is a legend. Uh, I just, 
I, I brush up <laughs> I, against Star Vehicle star for vehicle. a director. I knew, but, I knew you but, was gonna. Hey, I, I fucking I should not have taken my swing this week. Your top three, Sean? My top three. Do you want to take a swing? Do you think Yes, you- I do, I do. I, all right, here we go. Here we go. No particular order, but I know you have Blues Brothers on there. Ooh, I it, it's an it's an honorable mention. Really? No. no Blues Brothers. Yeah. Okay. Coneheads. No. Really? No. MacGruber. Yes. Got you got one. You got you got my number Where's three. MacGruber I mean, I, I have it in my number three slot, but it was three, honestly okay. the first one I wrote down. Uh Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me get one. Uh, Night at the Roxbury. No. I appreciate that you got McGruber there, though. And honestly, uh, we got one of each of our lists. Now that I'm thinking about it. What did I you get off of you? Because you got. Um, Oh no, you got you got Eddie, but you didn't get coming to America. So yeah, because you, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. you you gave me a, a and I <laughs> I really thought you were gonna do Happy Gilmore for sure. Oh, and, and in 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 that line, that is more our generation. So mm-hmm. my that that reveals my number two pick. I went with Tommy Boy. Oh, uh, I should guess Tommy Boy. Chris Chris Farley was my boy for sure. That oh, was yeah. that was definitely my favorite of the the star vehicles. I think yeah. uh, until my number one pick, which is honestly probably the movie that i would put on in rival to uh wayne's world in like the movies that i will reach for and go back to is hot rod i, I love oh, hot, I like rod. hot rod i yeah. did like hot rod um mm-hmm. brooklyn 99 what's old boy uh, uh andy samberg andy samberg yeah lonely island oh yeah. i did like i did like hot rod i uh, i remember um quite enjoying that movie well, uh, welcome to Make Me Watch. We're a couple of failed filmmakers who are forever students of cinema on an eternal quest to watch more movies. I'm your host, Eric Elliott, and I'm joined by my co-host who never leaves the beach. Fat Sean never leaves. I mean, he sits in his chair. He's out of shit, and suddenly he gets up. He's got shit. Uh, where's it come from? The sand? Old Venice Beach Vagrant McGee is what they used to calling. Sean McGee, how you doing, brother? Man, cops busting me up again. No, uh, I'm good, man. How you doing? I can't complain. I'm, I'm, I'm glad we're back. We're back recording. Oh, after yeah. It feels, it feels good to be back in front of the mic for sure. <laughs> On today's episode, we have Sean's pick for the week, and that's 1985's Fletch. We're going to go ahead and give our general thoughts up top without spoilers and dive into the film with our world-famous segments that break down the plot, performance, and our favorite behind-the-scenes stories. So without further ado, let's get into our review of 1985's Fletch after this. Oh, for God, Don, Don. What is this man saying? What is this man doing? What in the hell's the matter with you? What is this man's name? My name is Igor Stravinsky. Hi there, I'm uh, Harry S. Truman. I'm uh, Don Corleone. They call him Fletch. Fletch! Fletch! Fletch, F. Fletch. He's good at defending himself. Better tie your shoelaces. Disguising himself. And getting himself into trouble. Well, it be Fletch. Go ahead. Make my day. He's a reporter. There are no tags on these mattresses. Who's about to write the story of a lifetime. Will you kill me? Sure. If he lives. Thanks a lot! There isn't a woman he can't charm. Can I borrow your towel for a sec? My car just hit a water buffalo. A question he won't ask. You and your wife are currently alive, I take it. Drop your shorts and bend over, Mr. Babar. A risk he won't take. Probably feel 
100% Moon River to get to the truth. It looks like you two have a lot to talk over. We'll just catch the last 10 minutes of Dynasty. Universal Pictures presents Chevy Chase as Fletch. My hero. Welcome to it. All right, so that was from the uh, trailer of 1985's Fletch, directed by Michael Ritchie, uh, photographed by Fred Schuler, written by uh, um, I'm sorry, uh, written by Andrew Bergman, starring Chevy Chase as Fletch, Dana Wheeler, Dana Wheeler Nicholson as Gail Stanwyck, Tim Matheson as Alan Stanwyck, and Gina Davis as Larry. Introducing and- Gina Davis. In her second <laughs> no, movie. her second film, I think. Yeah, yeah. her second movie. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, this was the uh, uh, film that Sean chose for me to watch this week, and we have to ask him right up top, Sean, why did you make me watch this? Well, I'm I'm starting to, to circle in on your tastes here as, as we're getting into the podcast, and I knew I knew about your aversion to fantasy already, mm. but I... I don't I'm surprised to hear like how much you're resisting like horror for instance. Mm-hmm. Um and I I think that your reaction to this movie is going to be useful because it has the noir elements mm-hmm. that I know you love and I, and we're both like old school comedy especially like you know we we've talked about SNL and and history and all that stuff. So but but as we're getting through the picks for this podcast and I'm you're aversion to the more like broad stuff is mm. is i'm like more kind of getting dialed in on uh so i this was a movie that i i wanted an excuse to revisit because it's something i haven't watched since i was young um but also it was something that i knew that i could get a little bit of a rise out of you and i might get some surprising uh some surprising takes on out of you too um also this is just kind of like a sports bro movie so I figured you would at least appreciate having seen it, even if you don't like it, uh, which leads me to uh, this is your first time watching this movie. Uh, what what was your immediate reaction? I love all of that, particularly your reason of um, uh, a sports bro type of aesthetic like you would appeal to that because i think the laker thing was the, one of the saving graces for me <laughs> in this film <laughs> um, i know i know my audience i can pick them <laughs> i feel like i have maybe just a shade too much melanin in my skin for this one <laughs> right, this, is, <laughs> this is a very white white shit all right it's very white <laughs> yeah this this is a, a good pick for for black history month <laughs> to make you watch <laughs> And I love me some white shit, believe me. There's there's a ton of criteria and stuff I want to come with uh, throughout the the, uh, the life of this podcast. But there's there's a certain film for a certain white guy for a certain time period that I just don't believe that's a ton of crossover <laughs> for like a large swath of demos. Um, I think many SNL star vehicles hinge on one of two things, and it's the either a the audience's appetite for the comedian himself. Or B, the thirst over the character that they've created. So uh, the example mm. for this one would be like the love of Chevy Chase. And and he's not really switching. Yeah. I mean, the, the and, and I'll get into sort of my critique about his ability to inhabit different characters. But it's not necessarily inhabiting different characters. It's you just want to see Chevy Chase be funny in different mm. scenarios. Where you have someone uh, that we've talked about um, prior to this episode in our Mike Myers episode in our Wayne's World episode. Mike Myers his whole shtick is him inhabiting 
yes. actual people. Do you know what I mean? Like yes, that's his totally. Skill set. You don't necessarily go for a Mike Myers. You just want to see the characters he creates. Um, I, I mean, in in that way, sorry, I didn't mean to cut no, you off. I think yeah, I think yeah, Chevy ahead. in in what you're saying, you're absolutely 100 percent correct. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's more comparable to Eddie Murphy in these movies. That's in, in just just not not necessarily in talent and capacity, but in what you're saying, mm-hmm. in the fact that you don't go see Trading Places or Beverly Hills Cop uh, to, because you love the characters in those movies. You go see them because that, Eddie that Murphy is fun. Yes, it is that he, he's carrying the movie through right. his charisma and his comedy. And, and that's, I think, mm, what Chevy Chase degree. in in the National Lampoon movies, mm-hmm. e- even in like Caddyshack, mm-hmm. uh, like that's what was propelling that like 80s run of movies that he had in the same way. Much Strong more. Degree. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so I think it's going to really depend on your love for that person or your love for that character um, mm. for how successful the movie is going to be for, for, uh, for you. So personally, Chevy Chase was just never one of our guys. And, I, and I'm not speaking yeah. for like a large section of you know the black community, but you know for my family, like my uncles or my cousins, like no one ever was like like you know we watched maybe Three Amigos and we found that you know the, the yeah <laughs> some of the season that kind of funny, but it was never like Chevy wasn't a, a guy for us. So it, it, I, when I'm watching this, it's it's almost he's he's this film has definitely elements that I love, and you brought up the noir elements that I would like. Uh, the type of humor I'm liking is, you know, it's real quiet, sardonic, you know, more mm-hmm. intellectual kind of one-liners. But it's just like the person delivering them was just never really. I just never really found all yeah. of that humorous to begin with. So it, um, it's. Um, I'll get into uh, to, I'll narrow in a little bit on my critiques there, but I do want to say it does have the elements, but this hinged so strongly on the Chevy Chase of it all that it was a little bit of a miss for me because I'm just not a huge Chevy Chase guy. And I think what makes me not a huge Chevy Chase guy or, or where I'm kind of bucking up a little bit against him is Chevy is not known for his chemistry with other people and other actors. Like he's mm-hmm. a very um, selfish performer in my yes. opinion. So it, it's the, the the lack of alchemy between his other cast members is what really kind of flattens some of these scenes for me because no one's necessarily reacting to Chevy. Like the, he's not giving, when you have a um, an Abbott and Costello, you have a straight man and you know, the more off the wall character, people don't, I don't always consider that the straight man is in how he's playing off of the, the yeah. wackadoo character is really important. So if you're straight man here, if you're not giving them a lot to work with where they can, you know, do the surprise reaction or the, the annoyed sort of, you know, whatever, it, it just feels like the joke misses for me. So, um, I will, uh, we'll, we'll get into it later in the episode, but I'll mention that I saw the 2022 version, the John Hamm version. And in that, I don't feel like John Hamm was any more skilled than Chevy at all, uh, Chevy at all. Um, but his chemistry with Roy Woods Jr. in that and how they played off mm. against each other as the annoyed cop and the you know the yeah. whatever. It, it, and there's not it doesn't it doesn't. It there's doesn't, just not enough uh, rhythm to it because yeah, it, you know, like, exactly. It, it is like the, that's one of the things I I noted was like this movie has the pace of a modern comedy, but mm-hmm. all of it comes out of Chevy instead of yeah. coming out of a. A rapid fire like back and forth it's a rapid right. fire from one side yeah uh and, and people and just kind of looking not, not even reacting they're just moving on to the next line i In mean he's, he's not even giving them like you said he's he, he's a bit of a selfish performer he's like not even right. giving them time to react or space right. to react right. even if the, the reaction is like sometimes kind of just dumbfounded but then he's right. on to 
like he's day. he's made three jokes. It, it is like mm-hmm. a Tina Fey level mm-hmm. of like pack density of jokes, mm-hmm. but Tina Fey will give some of those jokes to her other performers in the right. scene. Uh, right. I'm thinking, you know, like 30 Rock, I'm thinking of the, like, the density of jokes in that show. Right. No, yeah, uh, I think you're, 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 you're absolutely right there. So that was um, that was kind of my reaction to that. Uh, just the, it was a little bit of a still blend of one-liners with no yeah. punctuation on them. And, and if you weren't super into the one-liners to begin with, you're kind of just like, oh, all right. Um, but like you say, the value of bringing this to the table and having me interact with this is I need to know this shit. <laughs> I, think, like, yeah, I need to know some of these films. I need. Uh, I feel like you, I've heard Fletch. Uh, I wanted to see the 2022 Fletch, and I just never got around to it because I had never seen the original. I knew I was going to have to sit and watch the original before I watched it's, that it one. Looks so like perfect, we'll talk about it later, but it's such a yeah. good cast. At it, but, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I wanted to... Uh, this gave me the perfect excuse. I, I, there's definitely stuff like this that I know I'm not necessarily going to be into on the watch, but it's valuable to you know to kind of cover your cinematic blind spots. So uh, let's yes. move on here. Uh, when was the last time you watched this, McGee? I know this is uh... so. I, yeah, I alluded earlier. It, it's not so much the last time I've watched it because I'm, I'm not sure when the last time. It's been quite a long time since I put this on last. But I, I do remember the first time I've watched this. Oh, really? um, which this is a movie that obviously came out uh, before I was born. Um, but this is a movie that I brought to the table because my big brother is the one who introduced this to me. I remember um, specifically we went on a vacation and we had the like high top van with the little the little CRT TV embedded. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. So we had the little seat because we would we would go on these like long road trips in the summer. So, but it was just me and my brother, and we had like Armageddon and Godzilla, and just like really oh, like these are like the nice. the VHS ones. And he was like, "I'm putting Fletch in the van. Like we're watching. We're like this is that was his contribution to the VHS pile in the van was Fletch. That was he. I needed to see that. So there was a a, a road trip summer that I watched that. And I was probably like ten. Uh, I instantly hate that I shit on this. <laughs> no, it's it's it's, it's, <laughs> it's such a beautiful memory. <laughs> it, it, but no, I, I'm gonna shit on this movie with you because it's not. It's I, I was. Uh, I, I I have very fond memories of this movie, and I I still think that it. Uh, I enjoyed having watched it, but this is we'll we'll get into uh, my my particular. I, th- I I do think it was formulative to my sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Like that's something that is I find interesting visiting it now. Uh, like mm-hmm. you mentioned the like sardonic, yeah. um, sarcastic, right? Uh, Just quick witted one liner out there. Quick witted and and in the, the like, it would be mean spirited. Mm-hmm. It, it given in any other and like that's where I think like Cheffy gets in trouble sometimes. Is like. Mm-hmm. If his chemistry's off, then it just comes out as mean. Mm-hmm. Um, where uh, in the right setting with the right people, it it comes out as more playful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I yeah, I think that that it's going back and watching this. I'm like, oh wow, having this having this in the van at ten or twelve was probably <laughs> more uh, <laughs> more Did influential more than good? I realize oh. in like how much of a, an asshole and shit talker I became. <laughs> Oh shit! Um, who else do you think was influenced uh, uh, by this? Uh, their their humor. Who else has this Blu-ray on the shelf? Do you think? Uh, who has this Blu-ray on the shelf? I bet that Shane Black has this on the shelf for Interesting. sure. Interesting. I feel yeah, like that's another quick-witted, sardonic kind of. Yeah, I yeah, feel like this is this is a like 
and, and listeners, if, um, you know, younger listeners, older listeners, uh, if, if you've watched this movie for the first time and liked it or liked elements of it, if you've watched this movie far in the past and remember liking it, I think, uh, you check out the nice guys for sure. Like, I think the nice guys is a, is it's the same sort of humor, like just Mm -hmm. the, the, like the dark mm. humor ish like mm. you, you get exactly what i'm saying oh, yeah. it's, it's and, the and same very shade. similar mystery no, yeah mystery uh, noir elements to mm-hmm. it a little act you know it, it definitely Mark Quayley, that, a, a real young Mark Quayley role <laughs> for uh, once upon a time if you guys heard, see what she's a hippie in once upon a time yeah yeah so I'm, i mean comparing it to fletch though i think it's it's like the the action is a little bit better in Nice Guys. The chemistry is mm-hmm. better. The humor maybe mm-hmm. hits a little bit easier. Like it, it really does feel like that. That movie is taking a lot of the DNA from this movie and doing it in a maybe better way. So yeah, maybe check that out if you if you uh, strongly agree. I yeah. like that. Yeah, I found yourself liking this one. Kind of feels like uh, like a Gosling and um, or a Crow kind of like split. Chevy's personality a bit, mm-hmm. like where one's like the super mean one, and the other one's like the kind of the silver tongue, like uh, yeah, yeah, box a little bit. Ryan's got the charisma, and Russell's yeah. got the kind mm-hmm. of like mean streak a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good call out, like that. All right, so we're gonna throw it to a break, and we'll get back into our focus group after this. As a fellow '80s dollar jockey, I'm making you my new vice chairman. Woohoo! I'm rolling up the corporate ramp. All right, coming back from break, uh, we are in our focus group, and this is where we're going to break down the um, our, our segment where we break down the plot of the film. We will be spoiling it from here on out, so if you have uh, not seen the film, perhaps join us for the coming soon reveal. We're going to reveal what we're going to watch next week, or um, I, don't know, I don't know, stick with it. You know, spoilers. Just, it's yeah, an SNL vehicle, so yeah, yeah not like your stories. It's, <laughs> it's super uh, the, the mystery. Yeah, the yeah. ending uh, mystery that we're going to solve here is uh, if you if yeah. you stick through it to the end, you're fine. Yeah, it's, it's a bunch of sketches. So, uh, speaking of which, what is one of these sketches? What is one of these scenes that you would show uh, to get somebody to watch, Sean? And I kind of took this as if you need to get me to watch. Like, what was the scene you would have shown mm. me to get me on board with this movie? That may be a little different than your pick, I, but I, I, I kind of took it in the same way of the Mikey and Nikki. I mean, it, I think a, I, a little okay. bit of uh, a, of like it's more of a like taste test or like a litmus test of like. Yeah. Is, does this scene work for you? Mm-hmm. Um, I did the uh, charge it to the Underhill account uh, <laughs> okay. at the tennis club because okay. you get a little bit of the, the which chem- the one where he goes to the cabana or the one where he or does the, the steak sandwich the very the very first one very where first he one? Okay. he walks past the guy being an asshole to the waiter mm-hmm. and then he orders mm-hmm. the steak sandwich. Uh, you you get a little peek at uh, Dana Wheeler Nicholson's Gale and I mm-hmm. I think she she is so charming in this movie mm-hmm. that you. If you're trying to pitch this movie to someone, you do want to to get a little uh, peek at her, mm-hmm. and uh, specifically like her chemistry with Chevy, I think is closest in that scene. Where if you buy it in that scene, then you're you're good for the rest of the movie. I, yeah, I think that is. I think because I, I liked uh, that is one of the the scenes that that did. Um that did hit me is, is I felt a little bit more positive on. I will and say that. it's got the that, 80s tennis fits too. Like everybody's in there. Like, I, I mean, that's kind whites. of like, yeah. yeah. The shorts and the, the short shorts and the yeah. little skirt. Everybody looks like nice and 80s and hot. Like, it, you know, I, I feel like that's kind of the, at this point, you're going back and watching a classic 80s comedy. Right. So that's part of the appeal too, is the like goofy oversynthesized score in the goofy 80s outfits and shit. Like, so this scene works for that a little bit too. Sorry. 
the one that I picked was the uh, surgeon uh, pathologist scene. Um, <laughs> I picked this one because not only did it, it has some of my favorite elements um, uh, throughout the film, but I think most importantly, and as I'm revisiting it a second time, it was one of the few moments in which Chevy was actually put in a weaker status than any other mm. scene in the film. Like he always is the, the 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 character that wins the moment, wins the wins the interaction, wins a day. Uh, this is the one of the few scenes in which he allowed himself to kind of. Uh, be the weaker character in the scene, and, yeah. and he passes out and falls out. And I think it's a really funny scene. So this is just a classic, like seventies, eighties room mm-hmm. full of dudes writing a scene. They're gonna make a scene in a proctologist's office. <laughs> like that is point. just that is just like a like. It feels like that was like a, a on a a dartboard in the SNL writers' room or something. <laughs> so yeah, that's yeah, that's what I went with. Uh, there's something that you caught in this viewing, McGee, that you hadn't noticed before. There's the reveal of the conspiracy that it slowly comes out. Um, On this most recent rewatch, I noticed uh, the line that you called out in the intro where the guy is one of the one of my favorite lines where he's like, where's the shit come from? He's he's just (laughs) standing there all day. What 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 is it? He gets up. He gets up. He ain't got shit. He he sits in that chair. He's out of shit. Suddenly gets up. He's got shit. So where's it come from? The sand? (laughs) <laughs> right right before he gives that line mm-hmm. uh you get gummy's introduction where he comes in with his eye and he's mm-hmm. like cops always beating Don't up be on no me. me yeah he goes into the shack and then comes out mm-hmm. and he's the one that it come, the reveal is later that the cops beat it the reason the cops beat him up is because they pick him up and force him to take the drugs to sam interesting because you so, know what i caught on my second viewing was as he's walking into the shack on the door it says police line do not cross and so that was my hit my hit like oh the police have something to do with what's going on yeah. the drugs are in this hit so that, that's funny so yeah there's there's the reveal later that it eventually comes out that like gummy is delivering mm-hmm. the stuff to sam and sam is the one who, who pushes it out mm-hmm. but and then the cops are picking the reason the cops are beating up on gummy all the time is they're just finding an excuse to pick him up to force him to give the carry the drugs to sam on the beach Mm -hmm. but so the the whole uh like enterprise is literally uh delivered in that one short little scene which i think probably is more uh uh attributive to the author of the novel because i I do think that they they ripped a lot of the plot points for the conspiracy Mm -hmm. like straight out of the novel which was much more serious right uh but i thought that's a credit to the the novelist the screenwriter the director that they they really like put all the the pieces of the chessboard in play very quickly in that scene uh, and i didn't i never noticed that until my most recent rewatch i liked it a lot uh was there um was there something that annoyed or bothered you in your first viewing that you've come to forgive for this movie you know, I go back and forth on the soundtrack every time I watch it, I think. Uh, yeah. It really the soundtrack is like a, the biggest barometer of what mood I'm in at the mm-hmm. time. Where if I'm not in a great mood, I'm like, Jesus Christ, this is the worst fucking thing yeah. I've ever been. Yeah. <laughs> but then sometimes it hits and I'm like, this is eighties as hell in the like I wanna put on some fucking rollerblades and, and like <laughs> get down Venice Beach. <laughs> yeah, like it, you know, just <laughs> It, it sometimes it's it crosses the, the line. That one's yeah. Well, that's that's it's like a parody of that song. They don't even get to use uh-huh. that song, but that that's the one that I, I go back and forth on. It still annoys me mostly, but some every once in a while it hits me in the way where I'm like, ah, I can see it. I'll give you mine. Um, 
it kind of, I know you need it for the bit, but how unrealistically everyone's so inquisitive about Fletch and they're asking like really prying questions kind of uh, like set up his like silver tongue or how's he going to get out of this one? Yeah. It, it, it kind of, str- I wish there were some other ways to sort of discredit him enough that people were suspicious about him. Um, it it kind of feels like it followed the same rhythm. Like each interaction was what you said this, and then blah blah blah, blah and mm. him having to correct himself through. So it, it felt like a, a repetitious bit. But I, I, I forgave it. I forgave it more in the second viewing. Yeah. And, um, and I mean, hey, that, that's the whole thing about his character, right? Is just how how quick he can talk himself out of a situation. So. Yeah, and it, it's yeah. the same thing that we talked about in Wayne's World, where uh, they talk about designing it to be modular. Mm-hmm. Like you can see that yeah. the like sketch comedy roots uh, in the script here and in the screenplay where like they're definitely writing to Chevy's strengths, like giving him an excuse to put on a costume and do a bit. And yeah, you know. absolutely. You know, I'll, t- I'll tell you one thing from this movie that I won't forgive, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, I d- whoever was in charge of that fucking dog stunt. I just like give me your address. I just want to talk. I'm just well, <laughs> what, did he, what did he not like? Which one? Like him going through the plate glass or him getting up on the no, car? The, no, the dog fucking yeah. Him driving off with the dog on top of the car and then the dog like scrambling to get off. Just whoever whoever made that decision. Just like give me your address. <laughs> just just let me just let me. I just want to talk. Like I just want to know. Just tell me where you live, real quick. I just where just the let me know. Is for for some red paint. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's what I'm gonna do. Yeah, it's just, around here. Uh, let me uh, let's let's take this uh, in Grover Cleveland's presidential time machine. Uh, it sounds like you already have though, because uh, mm. we uh, we want to talk about does this work in a different decade? But we we know that they've tried it in a different decade with uh, the most recent John Hamm adaptation. So what what do you what do you got to say about it? They did, and I'm gonna be honest with you, it was a significant improvement in my opinion. <laughs> That's interesting. I don't think John Hamm works as well in the. I like funny John Hamm, but I like more the way that John played him was more funny, lighthearted and less funny, mean spirited in the way that mm-hmm. Chevy did it. I think Hamm works better mean spirited. Um, oh, that's so interesting because I think Hamm plays such a good himbo. Ooh, himbo, like a you never you never turned the term himbo. No, no. Uh, like a male bimbo, basically. Oh. <laughs> I get it. Uh, but I, uh, I think like no, Ham is like, at his funniest when he's playing himbo. Like he does dramatic asshole really well. Obviously, oh, perfect to me. Like if you see, I mean, obviously he's coming off Don Draper, but like this yeah. most recent season of Fargo, um, incredible. Oh, I didn't, like I didn't watch. Spirit. I didn't watch his season of Fargo yet. So, so him personally, like uh, like I, I have some. Um, I love this isn't a Fargo pod, but but him him um his, maybe his on the Patreon. Far, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> One of our few episodes. Um so his his most recent season, uh, Fargo. I mean, the town is another one where he plays the asshole cop that, that works really well for me. And Bridesmaids, I know that was a movie. Me and you yeah. actually have some history about Bridesmaids back in the day. But him playing the you know the the asshole uh, boyfriend at the beginning of that. So, um, and, but I mean, uh, that's wor- where I was thinking of him as a himbo though, because I think he is playing that like I I mean I guess he's the asshole, but he's, he's like definitely yeah, he's the playing asshole. the like doofus sort of asshole yeah. is more than the mean-spirited if yeah. i remember correctly it's been a long time since i watched that fucking movie right yeah um, but I, I so i feel like it's just not it's not necessarily to his strengths personally can but- i pitch can i pitch you a, oh sorry i was gonna i have an idea that i was because i love john ham and I, I was interested in it but i i immediately thought of somebody that i thought would have worked better as a in a modern fletch take okay yeah, uh who i think 
does this style of humor a little bit better and is mm-hmm. still but still with the charisma is Tom Hardy, I think would have been an interesting. I think Tom Hardy's got the like sleaze ball charisma uh that he would play a good like PI whereas John Hamm's just a little bit too nice. Uh, no, no. I, I, uh, I haven't watched much of Venom, so I can't say in terms of more of his goofier takes on characters. Um, I know he would come with an accent. <laughs> that would be awesome to listen to. <laughs> but uh, He could do a new accent in every scene. You know what? Like, like McConaughey kind of leaps to mind. I feel like I want more of a handsome schmoozer. Um, obviously, like... like um, like uh, Downey is another one that I that I feel like like doing the silver tongue like kind of yeah. quick witted humor that I feel feels more natural. I to mean, me. Gosling obviously we talked about Gosling nice guys. Is another one, yeah. Uh, that I could see, yeah. Uh, Hardy Hardy feels more to me like he would be uh, Alan Stanwyck in this. <laughs> He's setting up. Really? I, <laughs> Hard, Tom Hardy gives a good, such a good grease ball performance. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, you don't get Stan, Stan. You, oh, you thought Alan was a great guy? That's, that's a I mean, I mean grease ball in like <laughs> right. literally greasy. Uh, like a sweaty kind of performance. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But I do think it improves in terms of the, like one of the issues I had in this was kind of following um, or how engaging the mystery was for me. Hmm. Um, in the 2022, I think there is a really kind of uh interesting engaging um uh noirish mystery kind of going on there mm. uh, so it, it's uh in that regard i feel like it's a bit of an improvement also the other players that are around them i feel like everyone else gets a little bit more shine that elevates yeah. the entire yeah. of the movie so uh i think it did work in a different decade so if you guys get a chance to check out the 2022 confess fletch i believe is is the title for it and it's on uh paramount plus is how i caught it earlier this week so um Let's move on. Uh, a priest, a Buddhist, and a rabbi. They're walking out of this film, Sean. How do they judge it? You know, like the the hero journalist is a subgenre of of film and yeah. story in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Zodiac and Spotlight and All the President's Men are the mm-hmm. like three films mm-hmm. that definitely jump to mind. I think mm-hmm. this is the least journalist and most hero. <laughs> of every uh hero journalist story uh you know it makes sense as a comedy vehicle uh and it, it is just yeah it, it is on the far end of the spectrum of the of that style of story though part of two of what 2022's flesh is about is how the hero journalist story no longer really works in 2022 or how that position oh, is so funny. degraded now yeah so like i i'm wondering if we could even do or obviously they did and they, they he comments a lot on how that profession is dead in the water now or yeah. nobody's a, yeah nobody's a, uh, is he a, he's a fucking blogger in the up movie like that's yeah. kind of are this, he's, yeah yeah it's, it's, it's interesting i'm wondering how that how do you think yeah how i guess they would have to be like a podcast or something they did do that as a matter of fact didn't uh bj novak bj novak did the um the oh, podcasting right movie yeah where he's like a, like he's solving a murder or something like that yeah um, yeah it had a really weird title that like yeah i, I was trying to think about it <laughs> as I, I was talking i can't remember it, i remember it the title just sounding like a horror movie or something vengeance was it? <laughs> vengeance is the name of the movie holy shit yeah vengeance <laughs> vengeance why would you it name was, a movie yeah. about a podcaster vengeance it's like a movie should be starring fucking like Gerard Butler. All right, so uh, jumping off of that, let me ask you this, McGee: uh, Is it wrong to mislead a person in the pursuit of the truth? And that—that's kind of Chevy's entire mm. shtick here. Is 
These are unsuspecting blue collar, just, just run of the mill people that he's making a fool out of in, in pursuit of the truth. Do you feel like it's um, is it OK to mislead someone in the pursuit of, of your own goal? It, it, I guess whether it's good or not, but where you land on that, man, I mean, that, that is kind of the job of. It, it's a little bit like a white hat hacking versus like black hat hacking. Uh, Interesting. Explain. Uh, like, like finding a vulnerability in a system and what you're using it for. Like, mm-hmm. there are hackers that are doing, looking for vulnerabilities in the system. That way, they can take advantage of it for financial or whatever other means. And then there are people who are looking for vulnerabilities, kind of just for sport, and also to like point out, like, hey, you should fix this hole that you have leaking. Mm. Uh, and so, I feel like journalism when done properly is more similar to white hat hacking where you're exposing the vulnerabilities and flaws in a system in order to bring them into light so if it's done in that spirit then yes it seems like it's still ethical Mm -hmm. but obviously we've seen many examples of it not being done in that spirit or being used to misinform and and twist narratives and and what have you so it's it's a gray area for sure and it's definitely not something i you can make a broad judgment on but that's a really good question interesting all right uh so we'll throw it to a break and we'll get uh to our under the lights after this what a what a good question to come out of fletch not a not a not a not a like a state of the world today a serious talk that i expected to have uh, during the recording of this episode so good on you brother nice nice this isn't a business plan it's an escape plan song suckers hi sean here This is an ad break, or rather it would be if we had advertisers. Personally, I worked in advertising for almost a decade, and I'm in no rush to sell dick pills or subscription boxes. But if you want to support our fledgling podcast, there are better ways to support us at the moment. Follow us on your podcast service of choice. Leave us a nice review. Find us on social media at Make Me Watch Podcast. You know how this goes. At this point, though, in my opinion, the most important thing that you could do to help us out is to send an episode to a friend that you think might like it. Maybe send it to someone that you want an excuse to talk to more. Help us turn this into a little community. Give us feedback, you know. And if you really want to send us money, we do have a Patreon. All right, let's get back to the episode. Going under the lights here, we're going to break down some of the performance. Um, I want to start here, Sean. Multiverse casting couch of madness. A chance to call out some of our favorite performances and investigate if they work in every universe. I know you have a lot of love for Chevy here, so I'm, I'm gonna let you cook. <laughs> I, I, I mean, that is really just like this is obviously a movie. It, it's funny because this movie tr- they tried to make it with a lot of different people through the years. They've obviously tried to remake it with a, a different cast of characters before they landed on John Hamm, mm-hmm. even before Chevy got his hands on it. Yeah, it went through different iterations, even yeah. in different genres. Like it wasn't always Jeff planned. Bridges. I heard. I saw yeah, him exactly. And point. and I can't yeah. imagine they were planning on Jeff Bridges doing like a sketch comedy bit in it. Like mm-hmm. I imagine it was played as a more straightforward. You're probably like, right. Uh, investigative thriller with maybe a little right. bit of humor in it, but the the book yeah. is not a like comedy novel. It's it's a pretty straightforward detective tale. I haven't read okay. it, but that's what I I saw the sense from it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that that being said, I think like this version of the movie, you know, as an '80s comedy, mm-hmm. 
it seems like you know we we have we're we're basically in agreement about like Chevy. I think this is like the I'm not a big fan of Chevy Chase either. Like I know you talked about up top him not being like a big figure in the black community. Yeah. I mean, yeah. literally like Three Amigos is the only other movie that I would put on. <laughs> All right, so right. like we're we're I'm, I was never a fan of the like National Lampoon franchise. Yeah. They're like the vacation movies specifically. Mm. Uh, like I've I've seen them, but I don't I've seen them maybe once or twice each. They're just not not my jam. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one for for what you know whatever reason i think works a little bit better and it is a emblematic of what made chevy chase a movie star mm. uh and, and specifically in this run in the 80s i think the physical comedy is is his secret sauce that carries on okay. into community okay. uh and, and in that like res- the late career kind of resurgence that he attempts mm-hmm. um and and those are my favorite bits in the movie that i think will still age well my my all-time favorite physical comedy bit in this movie is when he gets his head stuck in the light fixture when he's investigating the abandoned house it's so stupid he's just looking out the window like smoking a cigarette and then he turns around and stands up and he stands up because he's so fucking tall he stands up like into the chandelier and he just like he moves around awkwardly with it like stuck on his head for a second and it's so funny it's such a just like you know obviously that's not how a human being would have reacted in that situation but he's so funny with the physical comedy bits in that and and i i think that that's the kind of thing that ages so much better than him just riffing and throwing out a bunch of one-liners it you know the way he moves i i wish that you know, in a world where he wasn't an asshole or where he, he had a, a better handle on his chemistry on set and he could have harnessed those tools a little bit better as a performer. Because uh, I, I love it. the other like him burning his arm on the airplane oh, right. uh, when he's the when he's like, come on, guys. <laughs> like the, the, that bit's so funny. Like, can I give you mine? Yeah. Yeah. Um, because uh, I'm not giving him enough credit, but this one did actually kind of uh, get a chuckle up. When he was going to the tennis um, club for the first time, and he like has the racket, he kind of like practices his swing, but he hits the car. <laughs> he looks around. <laughs> it's such a quick moment, but I think everyone's yeah. been there before. He yeah. hit the car, you know, oh, shit, and walk off. Yeah, so it's, yeah, it's, it's I, his physical presence in the scene. Yeah, Exactly. <laughs> that works a lot for me, too. Uh, let me say this, because um, we're getting a little bit into Chevy and, and does he work in every universe. I My issue, and you brought up Eddie a little earlier. Is I I feel like this is the film that would have worked better if you were setting it up for the skit thing and the entire skit is him inhabiting different characters. I feel mm. like more of an actor that that hinges on 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 uh, enveloping a character in in that the way that Myers or Carrie or Eddie yeah. Murphy does, they would have worked better in this role because there's he does have the prosthetic teeth, he does do you know an accent or two, but it's yeah. mainly largely Chevy. Uh, I know I keep saying that wrong. I apologize, guys. It's Chevy, Chevy Chase, Chevy Chase, yeah, Chevy throughout this entire film, where he, it's more of him as the is. I would I would have preferred somebody that inhabits characters in this type of role. Yeah, I think uh, strong agree, strong agree. So that, uh, but I do. I mean, not, when you because you're a big fan of the Master of Disguise, right? The I was Dana say Carvey that I'm not vehicle. Turtle enough for the uh, Turtle Club. <laughs> turtle, I know, turtle. I know that's that's definitely on your shelf, right? That's the Blu-ray. You got the Criterion. I can't say it was on my shelf. Yeah, Criterion. You got the, the behind-the-scenes video when they tell him about the twin towers going down while he's in the turtle I've, I've, costume. Uh, I've ordered the uh, original uh, 1619 poster print <laughs> from uh, MoviePosters.com for a cool six hundred dollars. <laughs> 
<laughs> Love you, Sebastian Disguise. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, I do not want to leave this bit, though, without commenting on two actors that I think absolutely work in every universe and every goddamn project they've ever been in. We're going to bring back an old game, Sean, too. A little high-low for you. Got a couple Ooh, questions okay. I'm going to hit okay. you with. Both actors, when they came on screen... I love I love these guys. All right, first we have our guy M. Emmett Walsh. Yes, we, we talked about him from yes. an earlier episode. And Mikey and Nikki is the is the best. I was driver. I was excited to hear you. I was <laughs> yeah. I knew he was coming in. Yeah. It, that's you know what's funny when the, sorry to, to, to no, uh, really quick, yeah. but the when I I miss the opening titles. Like having the actors in the opening titles like that, yep. seeing yep. M. Emmett come in, I like even just watching it alone or like, you know, watching it at home here, I like knew you saw his name when that <laughs> title came up and I knew you yeah. went, oh, all right. <laughs> Absolutely did. When I was, uh, I saw that came home. I was like, "All right, little shot got me." Here. Let me see. Am in this one? Hundred percent knew that you know, happened. I, I that it, too. I know that you don't. You're not a huge fan of uh, Knives Out, the first one. Um, editor's note: This is slander. You love Last Jedi, but not Knives Out. I, I never got that. But, but, but when uh, when uh, when Emmett Walsh when he comes up, I'm like I, I in the theater shouted out. No one else, no one else reacted. But I was like, oh, Emmett's back. <laughs> like I, I love these Emmett Walsh. Oh, so hi, low Sean. Emmett Walsh to me perpetually looks 75 in any role that he's ever in. So oh, this was God. shot in 1985. How old was M. Emmett Walsh at the time of filming? Was he higher or lower than 46? Oh, my God. That's such a good... Okay, so 85 would have been 40 years ago? Somewhere in that ballpark. So that put him in his 80s now? If he was 40... Like, you know... That sounds right. Fuck, that's a really... Ah, shit. I want to say he's... Lower. M. Emmett Walsh was fifty at the Damn. at the time of the making of this film. Yeah, according to uh, IMDb, uh, IMDb's date of birth. The second legend on here, and the one that is a stalwart in the black community, Sean. All right. First things first, rest in peace to Uncle Phil. Oh, yeah. For real. <laughs> it's Yo, ain't father that I ever knew. Uncle right? Phil. <laughs> Uncle Phil. Is what's, he, what's he call him? Fucking Shamu. <laughs> 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 He's like, he's just, he got a gun on you. He's like, he bio shampoo. Yeah. It is his reaction to that. James, uh, James Avery is, is incredible. Um, this was, I mean, I, I still tear up to this day of, of why he don't want me, Uncle Phil. Yeah. If you don't know that, if you don't know that scene, Google uh, Will Smith, Uncle Phil, why he don't want me. Um, it's it's fun. Oh, well, yeah, that's that's such like, <laughs> I mean, yeah. It, that was for the 90s babies. That was, that's, a, that's a scene that, that like made... Shit. You know, yeah. Will Smith a star. A I mean, he was already actor. a star, but that was the right. one where it was like, oh like, shit, this, this man films. can do, yeah, yeah. yeah. this he man actually, can carry yeah. everything on his yeah. back, like absolutely. Uh, I yeah, it was really fun seeing Uncle Phil in this role in his physical mm. prime, where he's like scary. <laughs> and, you know, it's like he's not this like father figure that you want right, to hug right. from. It's like a guy who's gonna fucking beat your ass or like what, what, what does do he say? Like right stomp on stomp his balls, balls or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's weird seeing Uncle Phil threaten to stomp on someone's balls. Is all I'm saying. But it was it was a fun a fun little cameo there. Yeah. 
Uh, I do want to say, since you, you did bring up this is his physical prime, Sean, a little high-low, number two. Let's see. You, you missed the first one. Let's see if oh, you get the second yeah. one. <laughs> I'm going to call a called shot. I'm going to say he's like 37. <laughs> uh, 40 at the time of the making of this 40. film. 40. Okay, 40. Uncle Phil was 40. All right. Uh, James Man, I, I went too low on both of them. I... <laughs> I, I was really I'm really it's just weird. like when you see them you're like I'm like damn I cannot tell if you're like 45 or 32. it's that 80s that like <laughs> 70s 80s everybody's smoking lead cigarettes <laughs> I love that. Uh, best line read in the film show let's move on what you, what oh, you we've, got for best we've, line we've already said a bunch of them uh, I think my my favorite one is it, it we brought up uh that Chevy's at his best when he's uh, put like off his power, uh, and that's that's right. I totally agree with you because my mm-hmm. favorite line read is, "Can I ask? Can I ask anybody now?" When the cops oh, about the to gun? shoot him, yeah. he's like, "You're serious?" He goes, "Ask anybody." He goes, "How, how about now? Can I ask anybody now?" He yeah. like starts looking around, yeah. like somebody, anybody, please. He's like right. that's the fun. It's so funny and also so like genuinely scary uh, that it, it is like. Well, I think that's the tone that this movie needed to be hitting the whole time. Like where it, it is like it's actually scary. It feels right. very noir, but right. it is a line that like genuinely made me laugh out loud. Let me give you mine because I think it, it's in sort of that same sense of putting him in a weaker status, but him still having to be kind of funny. It's not necessarily a line that he says. It, it, it is by Bruce French. He's the um, pathologist that's in the scene kind of removing the the, the, the the organs. But his line of, boy, you never get used to the smell, do you? <laughs> <laughs> and it's the breath, the deep breath that he takes in afterwards. And yeah. then Chevy falling backwards. And I absolutely love his line delivery and particularly the deep breath that he takes in I, after I, that. I almost picked that scene uh for my my pitch scene and it it does feel like it's like a scene that i feel like i've seen before but it it is done almost so pitch perfectly here Mm -hmm. that it's a good template i almost picked it but it was a little too like simple i don't know yeah i hear you no Uh, totally totally we've seen that we've seen that um that uh that scene in in, it probably uh hundred different films but really funny delivery oh i i have one last line to talk about though because it's a line that made me think of you specifically because i've seen you pull this move Uh, when he's on his way out the office in the bow tie and he says the he's asking for somebody's number and she asks who he is and he goes oh i'm gina's boss and she goes who's gina and he goes my secretary and then just keeps walking (laughs) i've i've seen you pull that move I we were we were in your car and the, uh, the, the a like uh parking lot attendant or security guards or somebody started to roll up on us uh-huh. and you just rolled down your window and you went oh I'm I'm going this way boss all right thank you man and just got, like didn't even <laughs> let him <laughs> didn't even let him get a word out <laughs> just rolled down your window said right out this way boss all right thank you and then rolled up your window and <laughs> pulled away and it was i was like hell yeah this is my dude right here oh, that's, that's like one of the it. first times we hung out yeah. <laughs> that's fucking funny um all right great shit uh sean what performance do you like to pick up and drop in another movie uh, I, I want to watch a spinoff, a newsroom spinoff with uh, Gina Davis and Richard Libertini. Mm. I want to just see them mm. uh, just bicker at each other and, and her little like youthful spunkiness versus his like bitter old newsman. Uh, it was just such that, a dude. good chemistry. 
Mike, because one of my other little like things that I was like, ah, really? Because I didn't realize this was Gina Davis's only her second film, so she wouldn't yeah. have given a lot of like spot. Because when I'm seeing her, I'm, I'm kind of just waiting for her to do something. You know, she's a, yeah, she's a, she's, she's she brand, she blooms out of this movie so right? big and, because she's just such a star. And, Even and like, in this role, I kind of feel it. Yeah. Like her, her smile, her little interactations with Flex. I'm like, I'm she's like, so cute. She's yeah. so just full of energy. She just explodes yeah. off the screen. It's so obvious why she blew up. And, yeah. and but yeah, this is this being her second movie. You are just like, God damn, that is a star. Yeah, uh, I didn't realize I totally that. I'm, I'm waiting for her scene. I kept waiting for something like, oh, obviously I know. she's going to be the end. That's just 100 her charisma. <laughs> yeah. and, and I, I do think like too. And this is, I'm going to get into, uh, like. Mm-hmm later giving the the director his flowers because i think that michael ritchie does a really good job you know as much as we talk Mm. about chevy having like chemistry issues i think michael ritchie does a really good job of like in certain scenes especially Mm -hmm. um creating the the world around him for him to 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 have room to do all these things and Mm -hmm. the the richard libertini and, and gina davis in that newsroom they just like they make that newsroom so full of life with mm. the different like yin yang energy that they bring right. that when Chevy comes in at full like full tilt like gas to mm. the you know pedal to the floor mm. firing out as many jokes per second as he can th- that's the those are the scenes where that works the best because the right. those scenes are so full of energy that it, it doesn't yeah. feel out of place for it to be so poppy uh, yeah, her, her like the small little line that he gives her, like the um, uh, can I steal you for a second? Oh, if you only if you promise not to give me back, like like even that, yeah. that's the kind of life that I'm talking about that other totally. people don't have with Chevy. It's like she yeah. kind of had that chemistry with him. Agree, like it was able to like, bounce off. Yeah, I, those are the scenes that work the best, and like that really like I think give that life and, and bounciness to the movie. And, and one of the yeah. things, my the when <laughs> when he just comes out of the after the the police chief points the, the gun at him and he's like freaking mm. out. About about like you, oh, you yeah. sent him to my house like you gave him my number or whatever right. and uh you, you know richard libertini says like unbelievable and then he's like you don't believe me and he turns <laughs> to her and she goes unbelievable and right. then he look he the way that she delivers it he's like holy shit you don't believe me either right. and they this is one of those i mean that scene is so great and and mm-hmm. you know on its own but one of the things i noticed on this last watch was like there's so much cross chatter where right. Richard Libertini doesn't stop delivering his line while they're mouthing lines to each other. You know, like Gina Davis and Chevy are like mouthing, having this mm-hmm. little interaction. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't feel crowded at all. Like, I feel like I I understand everything that happened and hear everything that happened. Like, they, they communicate so much mm-hmm. and the mix doesn't feel muddled. Like, that is really like, it's it, it, that's those are the scenes that work the best. And I think those are the scenes where you really see how skilled uh this this director is at, at like kind of wrangling these these pieces together i like that nice i like that brother um if you were dropped in the shoes of the main character how does the movie play out from there sean i know you you had a, a bit on how uh, <laughs> i how mean soon I, this, how, how soon do you fuck up with your that's, I, I definitely take the money to listen to him so you go to the house you think? i think i go to the house i think i fall for that um I I probably I think I end with a bullet in my head in a jail cell. <laughs> I think that's so you go through you you show up on Thursday with the, with your with your gloves. <laughs> no, that's I'm saying I think I I think I get shot by the police chief oh, before oh, the chief. before that. I, got you. Okay. I, I think I do all my shenanigans with my investigations and my sh- you know costumes and whatever, and then the cops pick me up and I mouth off a little too much, and they're like, yeah, fuck this guy. And <laughs> one of my favorite little bits. Um, 
in terms of how it would play out, actually occurs in the 2022 version of this film. Now it's really funny because uh, Roy Woods Jr. is the plays the police, which which is essentially Roy, would be the yeah. Don Baker. Yeah, I love him too. He, he essentially plays the Don Baker role in this one. Interesting. Except he's yeah, except he's the police. Like he's actually active in the investigation. Like you okay. know, on the on the on the um on the day-to-day kind of level, like he's in the stakeouts or he's like going to the crime scene investigations. But he tells Fletch essentially that because of his complexion, he's able to sort of infiltrate the upper crust in a way that he could never, you know, to, to figure out what's going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and the way John Hamm responds is hilarious. He goes, oh, why? Because you're Jewish. <laughs> and Roy Wood just looks at him deadpan. <laughs> and as he walks away, he goes, Mazel Tov. <laughs> and hilarious. I feel like, I feel like, I like we had that uh, conversation around Tenet, too, of like Oh, the, yeah, that's the right. John yeah, Dan like Washington. how well... Yeah, yeah. I like the bit that they were at least trying to make him feel because uh, he has the uh, moment with um with uh, Michael Caine, Michael Caine about yeah. the suit. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And, like how well his Brooks Brothers suit is tailored. Yeah, that's whatnot. that's yeah, funny. So, yeah. so I love these little like uh, little hints that this may not work out as well for, for everybody else and, <laughs> as it does yeah. for Flesh. Yeah. All right, guys, we're gonna throw it to a break and get back to our uh, behind the lens. Ask your podcaster of choice if once weekly Make Me Watch is right for you. Proven to reduce time spent ambling through streaming services and alleviate dull commutes. Follow along our Shot for Shot segment on your social media platform of choice with links provided in the show notes. Make Me Watch. You will. Contact us if you observe any of the following reactions upon exposure. An overwhelming desire to suggest a film, a burning need to correct our pronunciation, or excessive pocket change. Special thanks to Nick and Jay Shoot, Mike from Fail in Hollywood, and Adam from Potter Together. Additional music provided by Kevin McLeod. Full credits in the show notes below. All right, coming back from the break, we're going behind the lens, breaking down the film's craftsmanship. Uh, first, we're going to go shot for shot. And I know this is a movie uh, we mentioned earlier, photographed by Fred Schuler. Uh, did you catch some of the other movies on Fred Schuler's uh, IMDb, but out of curiosity? No, please educate me. No, uh, educate me. I mean, he's a legendary, legendary mm-hmm. camera operator. Not He hasn't really? necessarily shot a lot of movies as a cinematographer, but he shot one mm-hmm. that I know you've seen because okay. that is King of Comedy. Oh really? Yes, this is he the cinematographer. For- okay. Yes, this is because he was a long. He was a camera operator on the uh, the what last waltz. Really? Uh, and and he, he, I mean, he was a camera operator. Let me just pull up his uh, a Marty player, huh? No, but just to, I just because we love to highlight uh, kind of the working class uh, mm-hmm. element. Um. He was cinematographer on King of Comedy, but he was camera operator on one of my personal favorite movies, Dog Day Afternoon. Attica! Uh, (laughs) Like, Dog Day Afternoon. um, Annie Hall, it looks like. Annie Hall. Arthur. He, yeah, freaking legend. It's it's amazing to think of this man's career and all the stuff that he, yeah, Last Waltz, as I mentioned before, Network, uh, Taxi Driver. Uh, he's has yeah, just wow. the amount of things that this man has seen is insane. So this isn't necessarily a deer hunter. He was on Deer Hunter. Wow. Jesus, um, get, uh, man, and so a I lot. mean this guy, this dude seems because all those movies yeah. too are movies that are legendary for having yeah. like a pretty street level production. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like th- those mm-hmm. aren't your like massive budget cushy right. Hollywood jobs. Those are right. your like really fucking artsy renaissance of, mm. of filmmaking guys yeah, so like yeah. this it, it is fun that this movie has that dna in it i, I, I bet nice. you i you, no, you've I never seen it. that yeah, that, that kind of 
<laughs> yeah. So I love that. I love uh, that. So get, going into that, it was mm. a little hard to find uh, shots to pick for this segment. Mm. I started to pick this shot from about 37 minutes in uh, mm. this nice exterior mountainside of the hotel motel. I felt like I could smell this shot. Uh, it's just like a very like Western uh, Americana scene. Mm. Um, but as I was picking it, I was like, man, we really like our wides, huh? We really, yeah, we do yeah. mostly wide shots yeah. when we, when we tend to go through pick. this. Yeah. So I, I, I went through and I was like, damn, like, all right, let me try and find a little bit, something a little bit more, uh, like fletchy. Let me, a little mm. bit more, uh, mm featuring the, mm. our, our our main actor here. So I'm going with 29 minutes into mm. the movie. Uh, it's a shot of Chevy showing off his physicality here, and he's he's mm. climbing the fire escape, jumping up from the the trash cans. Mm. And what I, what I liked about this shot, I mean, it, I like getting, giving, showcasing your actor's kind of physicality. Like I said, like Chevy's a tall dude. Yeah. Uh, and, Six when five he, with the afro six nine. Yes. <laughs> so letting him do this and and kind of show off uh, a little bit is something that like I feel like I don't know it was just a it was a nice little touch it felt very yeah uh, it grounds him appropriate. to me in in, oh. in, the, in the space do you know what I mean because yeah like actually allowing your actor to climb the fire escape in however way he's going to do it and I felt like putting his knee on the first. Um, like the first step here or the first rank and like mm-hmm. lifting himself up and putting his foot it was just an odd way how people climb fences or how they get over things always it always kind of fascinates yeah. me a little bit so like him using his knee in that way i was like oh that's interesting, that's interesting yeah, yeah. and then he like climbs around the back of it too because he like scales the front and he has to like and then he, the yeah exactly it's not he like doesn't there. do it like he's doing like parkour like it looks like right. a stunt double yeah but it lo- he does do it in a way that it's like oh i i kind of buy that he's a phys- yeah. uh, private investigator because he looks right. like a dude that knows how to scale a fence like i like that dude. uh and i and i do kind of like the uh you know you get the little vanishing line of the the alleyway and the telephone poles there like it's it is a oh, well composed shot yeah, yeah um, it's making its way down there yeah you get the little corner of the building mm-hmm. in, on the left side of frame and the the mm-hmm. vanishing line on the right side of frame so it's it's a the geography is nice like the architecture is nice and and you get to see a nice bit of character from from your lead actor here so yeah great shot mcgee uh, my next shot is going to come from 32 minutes in, not my next one, I'm sorry. My first shot is going to come from 32 minutes into the film. It's the, um, I guess it wouldn't be a wide, it would be a medium close-up of the TV monitor. Uh, mm. I picked this, ma- and it's uh, as Fletch is uh, playing for the Lakers, is number 99 <laughs> with the fro. I just picked this because uh, obviously, let's go Lake show, that's where I'm at. And two, and I kind of want to get your opinion on this. I, if I, I thought you were going to pick the frame of him biting the guy's arm. If you were that gonna was going to be yeah. <laughs> and this whole sequence, actually, we can we can go because we're actually seeing Chick Hearn. Uh, uh, Chick Hearn is a big figurehead in, in my family, at least. Hell like yeah. the the, the uh, 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 butters and the butter was butters getting hard, the jellos jiggling, or whatever his little his his, his phrase was. It was something my dad would say constantly. Um, but how images. Or footage are superimposed into um, into laptops or screens now. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. to me post whatever, like post, I don't know, yeah. 98. Always looks bad to me. Yeah. Always looks bad mm-hmm. to me. It's just a blue screen that someone then um, uh, composites will- their image in. I, I, it, 
if you break the screen, some people do the broken cell phone screen, and it looks it feels a little bit more natural. Yeah. But I can always tell that that wasn't you know how they it wasn't composite you know, on the day. So I, I totally know what you get, mean. How do we I, get back to this? How do we get back to the look where if you're going to play some footage, it looks real in the monitor? Yeah, I mean, do you do just do it for real. I, my my only argument to that, I. I I know that there's some like VFX people who are just sitting at home listening to this and saying like, well, yeah, you didn't notice the times that we did it correctly. That's the point. It's like mm, it stands out when yeah. you see it poorly okay. done. Right. And then when it's Fair. done well, you just right. you, you just accept it and breeze past it. it feels that like it's said, done so much more poorly than well these days. I totally, like, I, like, I, like, I, everything I, agree. I see, I'm like, dude, uh, if someone someone puts on a cell phone, I mean, immediately I'm like, and uh, you know what it is? It, it is. And it's something that this director is specifically good at, and it's something that we've lost mm-hmm. um, as a skill set of, of mm-hmm. directing and making movies is mm-hmm. knowing what you want and committing to it on mm-hmm. production mm-hmm. versus leaving yourself like, oh, we're going to comp this footage in right. to this screen later, and we want right. to have the flexibility of like editing in exactly mm. what piece of footage you know we can swap it out mm. we can reshoot it whatever and that right. giving yourself that flexibility in post is you're sacrificing mm. the like verisimilitude of having right. the, the actual footage on the actual screen right. and it, it is really like if we can if you know your movie and you know what you need and you can mm. commit to capturing it real in camera and not mm. leaving it up to Oh, I can edit this in later in post. Then you're going to get more value out of that every time, and and you're going to and that we talk about this in improv, in in Mikey mm-hmm. and Nikki, and it it applies in this right. movie too. Of like, you know your edit intimately forward and backwards, not so right. that you can stick to it a hundred percent, but that so you can mm-hmm. be comfortable improvising. Right. And so you know, the more you know your movie intimately like that, the more you have room to play with it on the day and the more that you can lock the, you know, you get what I'm saying. Right. Like, it's just Dude, like, know your movie, exactly. lock it in. Like, yeah. Uh, no truer words have ever been, well, a few, or, but <laughs> that's amongst them. <laughs> that is among them. Hell yeah. Love I that. totally agree though. You're, you're right on the money. Like it's, it is a, a, a skill set we're losing. Mm-hmm. All right. What is the uh, best combination of craft in this movie? Uh, McGee, where did the stars align for the department heads? What do you got for us? I've been talking about the director repeatedly throughout this. And, and this is like the, the segment where I wanted to mostly give him his flowers. So I'm going to elaborate on some of the stuff. But I think the director for this movie, Michael Ritchie, he, he really watching some of the interviews this week with the, the mm. actors like reflecting on their time on the set. Like that was the thing that everybody talked about the most was that he really seemed like he gave each actor exactly what they needed specifically. Mm. Gummy's actor, Larry Flash Jenkins, uh, he, he gets, he talks about having backstory where he was from a rich family. Mm. Uh, and then, but then he also like let him wear his hair crazy like he wanted, mm-hmm. and and bring some like weird costume elements into the character. So he was he was like collaborating with him on that level. And the um, the editor Richard Harris said that Michael would hold Chevy down and keep him grounded to the character. <laughs> oh, not physically. Oh, that you <laughs> not not physically, but he was he was like that was like you know when he's going through the footage because they mm-hmm. they they all talk about. Uh, he would do he would make him do like one for the script like one how he wanted it and then he would let him do a scene where he was allowed to put as much improv in as he wanted Um, but he would always make sure that he would get a take that was like what he knew he needed for the edit and then once they got that take he was like okay now this is your like you can just cook now you guys can riff you can do whatever you want and Mm -hmm. i think that that is largely this movie 
this movie's legacy, I think, is going to be may it may be that the jokes specifically don't age as well, but mm-hmm. it is influential in how I think we make comedies nowadays. Okay, like, where uh, you're like Will Ferrell's, I was gonna say and, your Judd Apatow and your Judd comedy, Apatow type you know? comedy. Yeah. It, it feels like those guys. You know, we we I didn't mention them in the the DVD on the shelf segment, but it, it feels like that's how this movie got made mm-hmm. and, and how Michael Ritchie kind of directs these uh, characters together mm-hmm. uh, seems sort of influential. Uh, it, even just like, the, not like this was the only one to do it, but this is a, a, a stepping stone in this journey of like how comedies evolve out of these right. SNL years into the, the kind of like modern uh, behemoth and especially the like Judd Apatow era of, right. of studio comedies. Strong agree. The, there was like Richard Libertini's the new Frank the news editor uh he he had a quote where he just says uh Michael told him this guy is an Adelaide Stevenson Democrat and for some reason that's all I needed I knew exactly where this guy vacationed I knew exactly what this guy listened to and it's I, I love that he, he like was somehow able to like look at each actor and like mm-hmm. snipe exactly what they needed uh, to to get into that character and you and can build really personality off of yeah it immediately yeah and like and and Gail on. as like a as a damsel or whatever mm-hmm. uh, she talks about like she want she wanted to establish that she was suspicious of Alan early mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that way it didn't feel sleazy for her to end up with Fletch in the end like she she wanted to establish in those like very first scenes that this is like a dead marriage that she is suspicious of right that way you don't like po- it doesn't poison the well of that character and it's like mm-hmm. that's definitely a, a a woman's perspective that you know he let her cook and bring those stuff into the the beginning of the scenes and so it's like he 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 seems like you know we talk about Chevy's kind of downfall and fall from grace mm-hmm. and difficulty working with others and why mm-hmm. this movie kind of seems to have stood the test of time culturally a little bit more than some of his other work. And I mm-hmm. like going back and revisiting this, I'm like, Oh damn, it really feels like Michael Ritchie had a huge hand on that ball in why this movie aged as well as it did. I like that. Can I ask you just one, we probably should have brought this up in performance, but I am curious to get your take on this now. Listening to a few podcasts earlier this week, kind of um, reviewing the movie as well. Some people aren't so much in the Dana Wheeler camp <laughs> in terms of her ability, at least in this movie. Some people would have preferred an Elizabeth Shue uh, or a little bit more prominent of an actor in the 80s that had a maybe higher register. Uh, I want to I hear from you. What do you think? Uh, if you were to swap Gina Davis... And Dana, what, what, what do you think about the movie then? I think, Give I Gina, mean, like, Gina Davis is so like, expl- she's just so explosive on the screen that mm-hmm. she, but she's so young too in this. Like, I think I could see her in that I could role. see, I could see it for sure. It may have popped a little bit more for me. Because I think she does mad a little better too. I'm thinking like a league, a league of their own. Like at the end, where like she finds like Alan's in the room and he's giving the big speech, and she kind of comes in. It kind of feels a little like, but she doesn't have the like no like like I love her to death, but she seems and maybe I'm just influenced because she's so high energy in this movie. Mm-hmm. But the Gale role is you know in, if this is a noir detective story this is mm-hmm. the like femme fatale damsel mm-hmm. and 
I don't know now that maybe I've not seen seductive enough or like it's, passively yeah. seductive. It's just even the like if she's going to be angry in this, it's not like explosive anger. It's like a like a, I can't believe you betrayed me. Like mm. smoking a cigarette in dim lighting, and I don't Virginia know that slim by the Venetian blinds. Yeah, exactly. You know, like <laughs> if, if we're gonna juice up and give her more to do in the character, I feel like it's gonna lean more noir femme fatale. And I don't know that I would want if my mind would go to Gina Davis for that, but like I don't know, she fucking rules. Yeah, I just I think I just wanted her more in this movie. Yeah, that's why I said I wanted the spin off of her in the newsroom. Yeah. Like I totally agree. Uh, yeah. She's she's amazing and so charming. Uh, the way I went with um, uh, the studio notes, just real briefly, was again just to reiterate. I feel like just get an actor. I think that's more talented. Um, inhabiting sort of more of a chameleon like if you got a, an Eddie or a Carrie or like we mentioned mm-hmm. a Myers mm-hmm. I think some of those different scenes could have popped a little bit more for, for me uh, as he's inhabiting these different personalities um, yeah. and the mystery itself just wasn't super and yeah, that's that's engaged. that's exactly what I have for this segment is I yeah. I, I I think that the the ending set piece and the mm-hmm. wrap up of the mystery is very right. lackluster. Yeah. And I think it largely cause Fletch is so like in control of mm-hmm. the situation all the time yeah. that having the mystery just kind of unravel around him without him having a huge part in setting up that mm-hmm. final play. Mm-hmm. He just kind of goes along with the motions and hopes it'll all work out. Yeah. And it's just not very in tune with the character of being somebody who's like always has the upper hand uh, right. as we've established. So I, I think, I think you could cut the entire car chase segment and, and take all of that I money. I all about that. Yes. I think what you take was that. It, I don't <laughs> know. I don't know, man. It, I that's forgot just, all about that. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. I looked, I was like, wait, what? And then the kids stole the car for some reason. It's so dumb. Yeah, it's yeah, so, yeah. it's bad. I don't understand. <laughs> it really feels like they were like, they just had an allotted like, oh, we have to have a car chase scene. What also doesn't make sense. They shot this movie while the Olympics were in town. Oh, so really? yeah, this is like so they absolutely. It was like one of the behind the scenes footnotes of they were like had ton of ton of struggle with this uh, sequence because they had trouble like getting roads because so much was, was traffic say, was already fucked. on the freeway <laughs> yeah, during the Olympics. fucking rolling a car on the free yeah. rolling a cop car onto the freeway yeah. during the Olympics in the mid 80s. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, the bike is easy. You, he just bails in the grass. Like that's not really like whatever, <sighs> but yeah, it's it, you cut that I mean, whole for, for all us bike riders out there. I'm, a, <laughs> we're gonna say oh, that no, maybe I'm, it's not so easy. I'm not saying that it was, <laughs> I'm just saying like in terms of like shutting down the, the freeway or whatever. Gotcha, gotcha. It's an easier yeah. stunt to, to Easiest, accomplish. Yeah, yeah, to pull off. Yeah, uh, yeah. Dealing with two less wheels. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who cares about motorcycles? I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just fucking with you. <laughs> just fucking with you. I know, I know for a fact we have some fans out there that ride, so I'm not, I'm not taking that stance at all. Um, uh, okay. So, but yeah, so cut the car, whole car chase sequence and give me an ending set piece. Mm-hmm. And I, I think. I don't. I don't have it entirely written out in my mind to, to I'll fix all the flaws, but I think that Fletch needs to lure the chief there somehow. You know, like just pop up out of nowhere. He just he just kind of pops up, and yeah. I think it, the simplest, easiest fix is just having Fletch. Maybe Fletch gets Gummy to mm-hmm. feed the the chief some piece of information. Mm-hmm. 
that makes him show up. Like just just yeah. have give Fletch Simple some thing, agency yeah. in the chief showing up, and then Fletch using that distraction to get away out of the situation. Like yeah, that that would be more believable and you know a little bit better of a set piece than it just kind of ends. Yeah, uh, you know, I agree. Kind of, I like yeah. that. I also want to kind of playing with his status a little bit more because again, I, I mentioned that he wins every scene. It feels like, but with the exception of the the few scenes that he doesn't, that I feel like, uh, like you brought up the in the jail sequence when he has to finally relent and say, okay, well, you can have the beach. Is a scene yeah. that that struck you. I, I went with the surgeon scene where he kind of he's finally knocked out by the smell of of uh, of the organs. So I I, I think I would have preferred the character in more scenes that kind of flipped him a little bit more on his head. Uh, as opposed to winning every interaction, um, could be yeah. kind of vary that tone a bit. So yeah, or give uh, him, just do some straight up like Home Alone nonsense at the end. Like give him some fucking oh like through the house kind of thing. Yeah, like why not? Just give me some. Like he he knows he's walking into bandits. an ambush. Like why not give him some like Kevin McAllister bullshit? Like uh, uh. G- give me something to make that exciting. Because yeah, that that ending really does kind of fizzle. Um, but. So let me, let me ask you, uh, mm-hmm. now that you've watched it, I know this has been a movie that's been talked about, but now that you've seen it, uh, do, has it earned its place in film history or was it justifiably overlooked? I think obviously it wasn't overlooked because this is the career renaissance. Well, by, for, I guess by you. By, by, by me, yeah. So I, I feel like um, it. it I think it's justifiably loved by the people that that love it. And there's a large swath of like I brought up, like there's a certain white dude from a certain time, that this <laughs> yeah. very guy, and so I, it was just the only difference is it just wasn't our guy. Like it wasn't yeah. the thing that I laughed at as kid. So that, that if, if it if it this had had this been Eddie, I probably would have loved this film. You know, mm. two mm-hmm. times more than you know what I mean. It's just it was yeah. just who the person was. Yeah. Um, so I, I think the people that love it absolutely, and I think it's a premise that works. Obviously, like you can really do something. Yes, I like the 2022 version of it. I know that Sean wasn't isn't uh, maybe a huge fan of, of the trailer from it, but I think if you see it, you, there's some value to kind of yeah. see. I'll, how I'll they, go back yeah, and watch they, it now. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you um, you pitched me on it for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, I, uh, I love yeah, Roy Wood. Yeah. So I think I think uh, if you um, if you're into uh, if you're into Chevy if you if you like SNL if SNL is your brand of humor, uh, this is definitely you know a gem for for those for those guys. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I I mentioned earlier, like I think the comedy itself uh, isn't aging particularly. I don't think it's aging particularly bad or particularly well. Mm-hmm. It's just aging. Um, but l- less than the jokes and the content of the movie, but like how it was made and how it served as a vehicle for Chevy at the height of his stardom. Right. I think that that's been more influential like i mentioned with like the judd apatow era of, of comedy and then all the different times that we've tried to see uh if we can make a movie star out of some some snl breakout mm-hmm. uh it in in that way it's it's going to like live on in those legacy of of those comedy movies and oh yeah and I'm glad you, you uh, picked this and made me watch it, brother, because <laughs> Fletch is definitely something in the in the uh, cinematic uh, spectrum and landscape that it's it's good to be aware of. You know? Yeah, <laughs> at least I haven't seen you know get, get a brief history on Chevy because uh, he was you know a, a comedy giant for for some people um, or for a certain segment of people you know during during his heyday. So it, it was good to get a perspective on that. Thank you right. so much no <laughs> yeah, for throwing that one thank, on. Thank you for giving yeah. it a chance, man. I'm, it was a fun yeah. one. Coming this March to video stores everywhere. Coming up next week, we are breaking the format a little bit to strike mm-hmm. a truce and yeah. investigate some movies that are in theaters. Mm-hmm. Next Friday, coming up, we are going to see Dune Part 2, 
yeah. uh, which just released, and we we haven't seen it at the time of recording, but we're gonna record right after we've seen it. In the same spirit, we got a bonus episode for you coming up on Monday uh, that we recorded uh, at the time of release of Killers of the Flower Moon. Yeah, uh, yeah. we re- we recorded it right after watching it in theaters back in the fall, and we wanted to release it now, coming up with the Oscars contention. With our girl Lily, with our girl mm-hmm. Thelma. Thelma. I know. I, I have my chips all in on Thelma winning an Oscar this year. I know. Uh, <laughs> he's confident in Lily. Uh, oh, yeah. I definitely think she's walking away with Best Actress. So, th- I mean, those that's, you know, called shot. That's, those are those are make me watches. Uh, yeah, yeah. Os- Oscar, Oscar, Oscar picks, picks this year. <laughs> Don't if if you lose money on us, don't add us. But you know whatever. <clears throat> but yeah, so we're, we that's the bonus content that we got you coming up for Monday. This and then yeah, this this Friday we'll have the uh, episode on Dune coming up, and I, I'm excited to talk about Dune with you. Um, I'll read the logline real quick. It is mm-hmm. uh, Paul Atreides unites with Chani and the Fremen while seeking revenge against the conspirators who destroyed his family. Oops, spoiler for. Uh, 2021's Dune or whatever. Johnny. (laughs) Johnny. (laughs) You know, Denis Villeneuve is quickly establishing himself as, uh, you know, this, like, all-time director's run. Mm -hmm. Arrival's a personal favorite of mine. I know we've talked about it, you know. Arrival's, yeah, incredible, like, top ten sci-fi movies. Like, you know, it's up there in the pantheon for sure. And I, I loved his take on Blade Runner 2. And so, I'll say his his uh, the freeway scene at the beginning of Sicario. First off, the first twenty five minutes of Sicario masterpiece. Yeah. But the, particularly the freeway scene at, at the beginning of Sicario. Uh, you know, if you guys want to subscribe to Patreon, we may be talking about that. Oh sometime yeah, soon. that's a, that is a scene to break <laughs> yeah. down on the Patreon that for is, sure. Yeah. Uh, that that's is really absolutely cool. one of my favorite now scenes. Now he's going to talk Arrival. I, <laughs> 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 yeah. We can. Arrival is one to break down on the Patreon yeah. too, man. Like there's there's a lot to to break down in that movie. But Bradford I, Young, how he shot. Getting into the ship is love every minute of it. It it really like it's like arrival. Also, the way he shoots it is it like put the pin in that visual style for me. You know what I mean? Like that was it, it feels like it was very in tune with like how we were shooting movies at that time. And once I saw that, I was like, so we're done with this now, right? Like, we can move <laughs> on from this look because it's not going to look better than that. Like, he did it the best in that movie. It, it, it's not even a look that I particularly like, but it, it just worked so well in that story and in the, so well in that movie. And I think he did. I think it really did. Like, we we moved on from that visual style afterwards. But we'll, we'll have to break that one to, down. Yeah, if you're curious to figure out what Sean uh, physically means by that look, Sign up for the Patreon, guys. Hell yeah. Because we're going to be breaking down some of these scenes that we uh, that, that have really been influential to us uh, throughout the years. So, yeah. Dune, part two, next week. Oh, and Killers. And Hell Killers. Yeah. Go watch some. <laughs> yeah. Go watch more movies. That's the, that's yeah. the, the theme of this. If, if you listen to this podcast, that's what we're trying to inspire you to do. Let's do it. All right, brother. Next week. Hey, if you made it to the end of our show, you're the real MVP, and we want to thank you. If you want to reach out to us, email us at makemewatchpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on all your socials at makemewatchpodcast. Links are in the show notes. If you rate and review, shout out to you. Thanks. 
I'm going to tell you a little something. Sean doesn't want you to know there's exclusive content on our Patreon page where you can go to support the show, but you didn't hear that from me. Anyway, artwork by Supply Box, theme song by Soul Spy. Coming soon, folks. Thank you.